Good morning. This is Dina Marie with a Christmas Franciscan moment on Matre Day Radio. Well, the season of Christmas is here, a beautiful time to celebrate the birth of Christ, the Christ child. He was born at a particular time in history, but is he born in your hearts? And do you continue to carry Christ into your life throughout the whole year, not just during the season of Christmas, but we're going to explore this season of Christmas. And what does it mean really to be a Christian and to believe in the birth of Jesus Christ? With me today is Franciscan friar, Father Dan Petit, coming from Texas today. We are what we're just grateful, Father, to have you here to really help us to focus on our faith and particularly to tie in the Franciscan spirituality. So welcome back and Merry Christmas. Well, thank you, uh, Dina Marie. Yes, Merry Christmas to you, too. And it's great to be able to come together to talk about these 12 days of Christmas. They really are a 12 days of Christmas. And we we open up with something. There's an octave in the Christmas season. So within the 12 days of Christmas, there's a full eight days when we usher into this Christmas season. What is an octave and how would we, how do we recognize that octave? What does it mean for us? Well, it means that uh, Christmas day uh, is, it's, it's a single day and the church is basically saying this is so significant what has happened on this particular day that we, we need eight days to celebrate it. You know, it's like uh, it opens it up for a whole week, starting with Christmas Day and then seven after, which is an eight-day period or an octave, you know, that uh, goes on for a week. And each of the, liturgically, for example, each of the celebrations that week are solemnities, as though they're Sunday Masses with the Gloria, the Creed, the readings are selected to uh, uh, highlight the fruits of the coming of Christ and, and all this. So it's really a, an eight-day I guess you could festival, if you will. I love that. It is a festival. And I think the world needs to hear about this festival. They certainly love to celebrate things, but are they celebrating the right things? Um, this birth of Christ, you know, we take it for granted, but we hear in the Old Testament, Emmanuel, God is with us. Let's unpack that, that Christ came into this earth to do something, to save us. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and of course, the way he does that is it, it's kind of unique because this is God, but it, it's it's difficult, I think, for us to appreciate that sometimes because when we think of anyone who's really powerful, usually we, we conceive of power in a in a more worldly sense of someone capable of you know, casting their will around and imposing themselves and maybe even in the extreme becoming tyrannical or dictatorial. Um, but, but you know, Christ is God, but he doesn't throw his power and he's very powerful, but he doesn't wield his power like a tyrant or a dictator. But he comes instead in loneliness because he's putting love on offer to us, not uh, the the kind of uh, presentation that would make us shiver in our boots and afraid of him, but he's trying to elicit love is crying out for love. He's putting it on offer for us to respond to him, you know? Yeah. And I just think about uh, Father Dan, the, the shepherds. I mean, just think about the shepherds who came 
they experienced the angels and they heard the message, you know, as we go to that crash that St. Francis gave us, what is the message from the, the shepherds? What can we learn from them and their, in fact, their even invitation to go see the Holy Family? Well, if, first of all, if you're going to include Francis, what that does is it tells us the shepherds, their loneliness, their soul literally insignificant and yet they're the ones that receive the greeting of the angels and they're also the ones who respond uh, if you want to see a, a worldly response to jesus uh, that gets rather extreme you, you think of someone like herod who actually was out to kill him and of course jesus and mary had to move to egypt to avoid that well look at here's these lowly shepherds they respond to the lowly king who has come among us so vulnerable to place love on offer and elicit the same response from us. Um, I think it really says something about this whole face of God that is given us by Christ, which is so kind and loving and humble and inviting. Um, he doesn't crack the whip and say, hey, shepherds, get over here. You know, no, he the angels announce it, and their faith responds, and they go to find this boy, and they come to worship, and they find that narrow gate that Jesus spoke about. You know, wide is the road leading to perdition, but here he says, is this narrow gate, it's lowly, it's humble, and how few there are that find it, but the lowly find it, and that's the shepherds, you know. Well, and it, oh, it, impresses me that the shepherds did something afterwards. You know, then they started to share this amazing experience, what they heard, what they saw. They did go tell it on the mountain that we yeah. sing about, right? They they did something with that experience. They didn't keep it to themselves, but it overflowed in how they lived their life. They went and told other people, there's something special here. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because that reflects what the angels initiated. They came from the angelic order, announced the coming of the Messiah, which in our order of creation, these shepherds carried on. And St. Bonaventure kind of carried that theme into the Franciscans and also the Dominicans. He thought of the this new these new communities rising up as reflecting what was going on in the angelic order which was announcing the gospel to the world, and the Franciscan Dominicans rose up to do that, and especially like Francis, who himself also communicated with angels. He got the stigmata from a seraph, an angel that was a seraph. And of course, St. Thomas Aquinas was called the angelic doctor. Uh, Bonavich was called the seraphic doctor. These are angels. And it, it, you know, the activity that goes on in creation follows from what is initiated on the angelic level and then communicated to us. I think that's fascinating, you know, how heaven and earth come together in Christ. Right. Father Dan Petit is with us, Franciscan Friar, as we reflect upon this Christmas season. And I mean, the angels have been so involved in helping to announce. I mean, we get Zachariah, we get Joseph in his dream. Uh, we get, of course, the Blessed Mother and, and the angel Gabriel. So when you talk about the angels, Father Dan, I think about, wow, heaven and earth are coming together. What's the purpose? I mean, it all leads to Christ. 
Well, yes, and, uh, you know, Pope Francis mentioned this in Laudato Si. He said that what sin did, it didn't only affect us in terms of our mind becoming darkened, our will becoming weakened as to love. It also separates, it divides, and one of the things that divides is spirit and flesh, heaven and earth. And here in Christ, you see material and spiritual coming together in peace and harmony that extends across the entire visible and invisible order of creation where the angels are even coming together with lowly beasts like oxen and sheep and lambs in the crest scene. And there at the center of it all is the reconciling power, which is Christ. He brings the spiritual and the material orders of creation into complete harmony, whereas sin divides them, it separates them, you know. I mean, that's the definition of death, is the separation of our spiritual soul from our material body. And see, that's what sin does. It separates us. And in Christ, already you see this reconciliation with the angels appearing on earth, you know, with the spiritual coming together with the material creation and heaven coming together with earth, just as we go to the crush scene and discover that. Right. Within this octave of Christmas, these eight days, Father Dan, we start off with a feast of a martyr, the first martyr of the church, St. Stephen. You mentioned Herod, and we have the episode that we hear in scripture of the massacre of those innocent children as Herod is looking for the Christ child. Why why are we recognizing these martyrdoms and this, this evil within this time? What can we learn from these types of feasts? Well, there's a whole lot we can learn. I think it's um, one of the first things I think we can learn is there is something out of kilter in a world that would respond, for example, to the love on offer in Christ with an attempt to kill him, as Herod was doing. Uh, There's something wrong with a world that does that, that responds to this authentic, love of Christ that would attempt to actually take his life. And of course, at the end of his life, it proved true as well. Christ, all the way up Calvary, was continuing this dogged pursuit of putting love on offer, even as we gave him every reason to shut that door and maybe start giving us the silent treatment and say, I'm done with you people. He didn't. He was patient. He persevered in doing the Father's will. So I think that's the first thing, you know, when you have martyrs, for example, that's the that's our world kind of coming down on these men and women who are putting love on offer. And there's just something wrong with a world that does that. Father Dan Petit with us today as we celebrate this Christmas season and reflect on the true presence of Christ with us. God is with us. Father, we are just coming up to a break and I want to continue our conversation because we have some beautiful feast days to look forward to within this special celebration of Christmas. So stay with us and we'll continue our discussion in the next half hour. Sounds good. Thank you, Dina. This is Dina Marie, and we're back with Father Dan Petit, Franciscan friar during this Christmas season. We have 
12 days of Christmas, but really we can even continue. If you look liturgically, there's a presentation of the Lord feast on February 2nd. So if you want to hold on to that Christmas tree all the way till February 2nd, I will not disagree with you. I think that's great for us to celebrate the 40 days of Christmas. But in this octave, Father Dan, we talked a little bit about the martyrs that we celebrate the close of that octave on January 1 is the feast of one of the dogmas of the Church of Mary, that Mary is the mother of God. And we begin our new calendar year recognizing that fact. Take us to that feast day and just tell us a little bit about why this is significant and how does it tie into the Christmas message, Mary, mother of God? Yeah, well, that title, Mary, the Mother of God, goes all the way back to the Council of Ephesus in 431. That's where it became defined by the by a major council of the church, just like Vatican II. This was a council in 431 in which it was debated whether Mary was just the mother of Christ, the man, because God doesn't take a birth from Mary. He's eternally generated. And that was the discussion. And they said, no, uh, God actually passed through the birth canal and was born. So Mary was actually the mother of God in creation, which is re remarkable. It's a miraculous birth because she became a mother while still remaining a virgin. Uh, that's pretty incredible. Absolutely. And um, I think about St. Francis's, you know, love and devotion for the Blessed Virgin Mary, you know, in this Christmas season, how can we grow maybe closer to that mother of God? Because she's a mother of God. She's our mother. She's the mother of the church. In fact, yeah. I think Pope Francis had that special feast day for recognizing her as our mother of the church as well. But our, our, our gear towards our blessed mother to take us closer to Christ. Well, I, I think that the first thing to realize is there's no competition between her and Jesus. Uh, when, Jesus from the cross says, behold your mother, and gives her to us. Uh, we're not talking about like, well, Mary will take me away from Jesus. No, evil angels take us away from Jesus, not the Blessed Mother. She leads us to Jesus. And the other thing I think is, how do we get close? I think the best way is to put your hands into her hands, which is what you do every time you take up the rosary. And then listen to her instructions. Listen to her teach you about her son as you meditate upon the mysteries of the rosary. That's one of the most effective ways I know of for uh, really getting closer to Mary and then through her closer to her son, Jesus. Right, right. Father Dan, we have the epiphany of the Lord. Like, what is an epiphany? What are we really recognizing when we have this, the kind of closes that 12 days of Christmas is the epiphany of the Lord. Yeah, epiphaneo is uh, from the Greek. Epi uh, forth, uh, phaneo is to, uh, show, to show forth is what it means. And what's being given us in an epiphany is the, the revelation of the divinity of Christ, his divinity. And that's what, for example, we had another epiphany in the gospel when he came walking on the water uh, into the disciples in the boat during the storm. That was an epiphany. That was a revelation of the divinity of Christ. Well, that's what's happening as well when the three wise men come to this, the, the child from, you know, these un, 
these people that don't even know Judaism are following their science and their stars, and they come to this little child in the manger to do an homage, thereby manifesting, you know, bended knee before God himself. Only he is worthy of that kind of worship. And so there's this epiphany in the Christ child by the visit of these three wise men who come to worship him. Right. Well, and it had to have been an arduous journey. I just think about what motivated these men. They were very smart. They could study the stars. And yet, um, I just can only try to imagine what would happen when they saw that Christ child. They saw that holy family, not in a palace, not wrapped in gold and um, fancy clothing. He was in a manger, very humble. What's going on with these guys? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting that they did end up going to Herod's palace at one point looking for the Christ child, looking for this king. You know, who is this king? And uh, fortunately, the Jewish scholars in court with Herod were able to guide them to where it should be, which is, according to the scriptures, Bethlehem. Well, you can imagine, it kind of indicates probably their initial response to this search for a king was, well, he's going to be in a palace. Can you imagine what they were, what it must have been like for them to come out to not only this small little no-nothing town, but to have to go outside of it to a stable? What? What is this? This is a king, you know, but they they didn't hesitate. They, their faith responded to him and they did. They presented him with their gifts. They worshiped and they knelt down before him. I think that's really remarkable. You know, it sort of maybe describes some of our own transition. We might be looking for the kind of worldly, powerful king and might be surprised to find this lowly king in Christ. You know, And he's approachable. He's approachable yeah. for everybody that there's no one that he's not able to access and invite to come into his presence. Yeah. Well, you know, it it contrasts with the first revelation we have of God uh, to the people is on Mount Sinai. If you remember, he was, the mountain was covered in black smoke. There's thunder, the ground was shaking and all the people said, Oh, Moses, (laughs) You Don't go. <laughs> let him speak to us. You speak to us from now on. And and uh, the Lord says to Moses, well spoken. Yeah, that, that's, that's good. I, I don't want to scare people. And Christ is the face of God coming to us uh, according to that, uh, that moment. Because it does contrast from he could come in real power and scare us all. And, but he doesn't want to scare us. He wants to welcome us. He wants a relationship with us. If you remember in the garden after the fall, at the breezy time of the day, God comes and he's calling out, Adam, where are you? And you might say in the manger, there's there's God again crying out to each one of us by name. Where are you? I've come to find you. Where are you? Come to me, you know. That's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. Yeah. You know, the Knights of Columbus have that wonderful uh, campaign. I guess for many years they've been selling Christmas cards. And, you know, the reason for the season, keep Christ in Christmas. And invitation that we, how do we do that? How do we change and become different and not go back to our old ways 
when we've mm-hmm. experienced the Christmas season and truly opening our eyes to what's right in front of us? Well, <laughs> it's kind of funny you ask that question because I, I just was thinking about this over the weekend. I don't know about you, but at this time of the year, I'm getting uh, I, I use the delete button as part of my answer to your question, how I prepare <laughs> for Christmas, because I'm getting about 25 to 30 emails a day from advertisers and they're shouting at me their messianic promise that our product will save you. Our product will fill that hole in your soul. And and I just hit delete because there's only one God, there's only one Messiah, and it's not these products that are being advertised, but there's a lot of voices coming at us right now. And I think we need to hear the voice of the shepherd, the chief shepherd calling out to us from the manger, come to me, all you who are weary and are burdened and find life burdensome. I'll refresh you. You know, this is where you'll find the refreshment for your soul. And not all these other voices and products that are shouting at us with their messianic expectations of fulfilling us, you know. Right. So something has to change. And with that draw, Father Dan, as we've just got a couple more minutes to to spend, okay, how can I resist that? How can I make that shift? What do I need to do to really embrace that Christ child in my life? Honestly, I think lesser loves, as I would assess like love for created things, you know, like uh, like created uh, consumer goods specifically, um, love for lesser things need greater love to be overtaken. So honestly, I think it's opening up to this immense love of Jesus at Christmas because that's what elicits from within us a more a, a greater love to a higher good that overtakes these lesser ones that distract us and, and make false promises. Um, the real deal I mean, reality is always going to be stronger than the lie. And J- Jesus is the real deal. He's real. I mean, he's we call him in the pre- in the Blessed Sacrament real presence, not artificial and not a substitute, real. And reality is always stronger than lies. And I think one way for us to get into this love is to respond to what's on offer from Christ, which is just this immense love. Yeah. Whether we're shepherds or wise men or women, let's respond the way both of them did, praising the Lord and proclaiming the truth that they experienced. What a great season for us to take throughout our whole lives. Franciscan Friar Father Dan Petit, always great to spend some time with you. Great to have a time to reflect on this beautiful season of Christmas. Would you please help us close with a prayer and blessing for our listeners? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for sending us your son, Jesus, and also Mary and St. Joseph and the shepherds and all the wise men and women who search him out. We pray that we may be among them, Lord, this Christmas, by the grace of your love in our lives. And we ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. May the blessed mighty God descend upon you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Dan, and have a blessed Christmas and blessed New Year.
Thank you, Dean and Marie. You too.